0: Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. We're in Galatians chapter 5. Now chapter 5, if you ask you to list some of the great chapters of the Bible, I don't know how many of you would list this chapter, but this is definitely one of them. This is just a great chapter on living the Christian life. Now, you'll notice on the screen there you can text in a question if you have that. Pastor Steve's here, and he's monitoring that. And so if you want to do that, just text it in. We'll pause for a little bit and try to answer it. But we're going to look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 to 15 tonight, that just have a lot to say to us about how to live the Christian life. And first of all, it begins with, what is important? What is it that really matters? And Paul kind of shifts. He's been talking to them about this struggle that's going on in the church where some of them are trying to say, look, yes, be a Christian, yes, accept Christ, but also you have to be circumcised, and you have to keep some of the laws and everything. Paul says, garbage. So here's what he boils it down to. He says, "So, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. The battle of the Christian walk is to stay free. You see, when the law gets involved, when my nature gets involved, I become a slave to it. That would, Another term we have for that is addicted. Addictions are because of slavery. It's there, it's controlling me. And Paul says, look, Jesus Christ has come to set you free. Now you have to work at staying free. Do not get bundled up. Don't get tied up. Don't get chewed up by slavery to something else. Christ wants to set you free. So he drives that point. Great verse, great verse. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. You know, if you believe that circumcision or doing something extra will make you right with God, better with God, then, you know, what Christ did on the cross doesn't matter to you anymore because you've determined that there's more to it than just Christ's death, resurrection. And so that's where he comes at. He says, look, you know, don't become legalistic. Now, legalism is simply this. You take something good and you make it necessary. You know, it's a good thing to talk right. But if you make it necessary and say, you've got to talk this way in order to be a Christian, if you make it so that you can say these words and you've got to say these words and you've got to say them in this way, then you're making something else that's good necessary. The only thing that's necessary is Jesus Christ. And so legalism causes you to lose joy, and freedom has to be fought for. You have to fight to stay free. And if we allow the law to tie us up, Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, by obeying the law, then you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. Remember, we've talked about in the previous chapters, and Paul has dealt with them. If you break one law, you've broken them all. So Paul says, look, if you're going to believe that one, you've got to believe all of them. If you're going to try to keep that one, you've got to try to keep every one of them. And so I don't have to try to earn favor with God. Pastor Steve mentioned it early. God loves me. I don't have to earn it. He always loves me. He always cares for me. And if I'm trying to earn God's favor by, if I do this and if I do this, then God will like me. God already likes you. And so he comes to that place where he says, look, if you think on that, if you've got to think you've got to keep that law, then you have to obey all of it. Over 400 or more laws that the Jews had come up with, impossible. And everybody knew it. If you're trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ, and you have fallen away from God's grace. (laughs) In other words, you've just now eliminated Christ, and if you've eliminated Christ, you no longer have the relationship with your need, and now you don't get the grace of God that you have to have. And so you're stomping all over His grace, His love, His mercy that He has for you, and you're just making it as nothing. Because on Judgment Day, when you and I stand before God, the only thing that matters is our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not all the extra stuff. It's, I have accepted Christ, I'm saved. That's it. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith. Now, living by the Spirit's an interesting term, and we're not going to get into it tonight, but Paul goes on in this chapter to deal with the fruit of the Spirit. And so he introduces that term that becomes critical for us as Christians today. And if we live by the Spirit, we're eagerly waiting to receive, how? By faith, the righteousness God has promised to us. You see, we do the law because we think it's going to earn something better for us, and it's going to make us in better view of God and everything, I'll feel better about myself, God will feel better about me, and we do that. No, no, no. By faith, we have accepted Christ and what He did. And because of that, we live by the Spirit of God, and by faith, we're waiting For that day when we will see God and he will declare us righteous. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. There's no benefit in keeping the law. What's important is faith expressing itself in love what's important is faith expressing itself in love. So if I truly have faith in Christ that is expressed by my love. Now Paul's going to bring this uh, more into focus as he goes along here, but that's an important chat- verse for us. Uh, you know, what's what's important in life? It's my faith in Christ and how is that faith demonstrated? By my love for Christ, for God. And for others, the heart of everything that's there. And so Paul begins and opens this chapter. Here's what's important. What's important is faith, expressing itself in love. Secondly, Paul says, who interfered with you? Who cut you off? Who got you off track? Who who is it that came into your life that got you into a place where you shouldn't be by now? Notice what he says. You were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? Who is it that's doing this? It certainly isn't God. Don't say God told me. Don't say it isn't Him. He, he wouldn't do that. And He is the one who called you to freedom. Fight for freedom. Stay free. Freedom, expressing and through the Spirit by faith. I love. So he didn't call you that. He's called you to freedom, not to legalism. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. If you're a baker at all and You know, every time I think of a little yeast and go through a batch of dough, I I think of sticky buns, cinnamon rolls, and those types of good things. And just a little bit of yeast, you put it in there, and suddenly that dough starts rising and everything and gets all nice and fluffy. And, oh, man. And it doesn't take much. You buy yeast in these little packets, and it just takes a little bit of that. And it goes through the whole dough and creates this chemical process. And Paul uses that as an illustration. This false teaching starts with just a few starts with just a little bit and then it begins to spread through the whole group. I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. I'm praying that God will keep you out of this. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. God will judge him. Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that, you must be circumcised, as some say I do, Well, I'm still being persecuted. See, they try to trick people. Well, Paul says this. Paul says, no, I don't. If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I mean, if I'm so dogmatic on this, and if if I'm not doing that anymore, no one's going to care. It's not going to bother them. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. (laughs) Boy, he's pretty blunt, isn't he? But we also understand that if you're a teacher... If you want to start teaching something, here's what James says. Brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. You're going to be judged for the way you teach things. You're going to be judged for how you handle that. And so Paul writes, he says, look, don't this person may come across as spiritual. They may be say what they're serving God, but if you really want to be a Christian, do this, don't believe them. And they weren't telling them to do some horrible sin. They were just saying, look, it's Christ plus this. That's that's all it was. Sounds innocent. Sounds like, what could that hurt? But Paul says, look, you can't do that. You can't go that way. And he's been telling them that for four chapters. Now he's kind of brought it home here. He now goes to, what must I watch out for? Why must I watch out? What is it that I have to be careful of this is where it gets really practical for you and I notice what he says verse 13 you've been called to live in freedom remember go back to the first verse remember how he started this you've been called to live in freedom brothers and sisters don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature well I'm free I can do whatever I want it's not the freedom we're talking about don't use it to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. So, here's a great way to say th- these verses. Let me just sum it up for you really easy, really simply. You and I, as Christians, are free to serve. That's it. Free to serve. Serve who? Yes. Serve God. How do we serve God? By serving people. Verse 14. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Now, remember when Jesus was asked what's the most important thing? He said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your being. And the second, like to it, same as love your neighbors yourself. But Paul says, Look, here it is. Here's the deal with it. You've got to love your neighbors yourself. What do we know? We know you can't do that if you don't love God. Without God in your life, you're going to have a hard time loving your neighbor. And, well, who's my neighbor? Well, that's the story of the Good Samaritan, isn't it? But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Wow. What do I need to watch out for? Destroying other people. I can destroy them by wrong teaching telling them something that isn't the truth, but I think it is, and I I believe it, and I want to believe it, and you know, I'm I'm going to go with this, and uh, I I can destroy people in a lot of ways. What we deal with is this. Legalism takes everything and makes it the okay stuff and makes it all necessary. It's very rigid. There's no joy in it. There's no life in it. It's just legalistic. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. And sometimes we all tend to be legalistic with ourselves. The other extreme of legalism is license. License means I can do whatever I want to do. I'm a Christian. I've served God. I can act however I want. The Bible never teaches that. Never even gets close to that. And so, you know, there's two extremes here. The real rigid people who are legalistic and it's got to be like this and this, and those over here saying, well, hey, look, I'm free. I can do whatever I want to do. Both of those extremes are wrong. The middle is where we live in liberty. I am free. What am I free to do? I am free to serve, I'm free from sin. As a Christian, I'm free from sin. First of all, I'm free from the power of sin. Sin no longer has power in my life. Oh, well, Pastor Steve, we got a hand up there. Yeah, we got a got a couple of questions. Uh, need a mic, please. Yeah, we have a couple of questions. The uh, first one is, well, what about people? who sin, but then they talk to God, and I think by this they mean they they receive forgiveness, Mm -hmm. but they don't make any changes. Do you say, well, that's between them and God, or is it really uh, legalistic to follow God's laws? I think basically we have to leave that to God. Depends on the relationship. If I'm in close relationship with them, I maybe can help them or try to address that. But all of us, Paul talks about the sin that so easily besets us. Every person, every Christian has ask God for forgiveness for doing something and has done it again. It's not like we become perfect. So I have to understand, I can be totally sincere, they can be totally sincere of regretting what they did and not wanting to do it again and yet do it again. And that's where God has to work through us and in us. Was that okay with you, Steve? I I approve of that message. Okay, good. Someone else wrote in and said, are the Ten Commandments still in effect after Jesus died on the cross? Do those relate to this? Yes, they are. But how do I keep the Ten Commandments? I don't have a problem not having an idol before God if I love God with all my heart. I'm not looking at, oh, i got to keep this commandment, keep this commandment. And if I keep all the commandments, then I'm good. I believe in Jesus, but i got to do all this too. No, I believe in Jesus. If I do that, I'll keep the commandments. And see, we have a hard time separating this. And I have to come to that place where I realize, look, I can't be legalistic with stuff. At the same time, I can't just let everything go. Jesus himself said, and we talked about it previously, you know, he didn't come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill it. So there are still responsibilities that I have because of my love for God. It's, it's no different when, when you get married. Well, you know, I've got to do this and do this and do this, and if I don't act like this, my spouse isn't going to be happy, and I'm going to be miserable, and i got to act like this. And you walk on eggshells because you got to do everything just right. And over here, hey, I'm married, but so what? I can enjoy life, and I can have a little fun once in a while. What's the big deal? No, it's here in the middle. I still have to do the things that are right because I have a love relationship with a spouse that causes me to love them and wants what's best for them. I am free to love them. If I love them, I'll do what God wants me to do. That's it for now. Okay. So, I'm free from the power of sin. Look at what Paul writes in Romans. When we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. In other words, sin no longer has to be your master. I can overcome that. How? Through the Spirit that he's going to talk about in a little bit, and we'll get into it next week. And so I'm free from the power of sin. Sin no longer has to control me. I no longer have to listen to it. I'm also free from the penalty of sin. The penalty of sin is death. When you sin, Jesus said, you'll die. So there's death that's associated when I sin. There's death in life. There's physical death. There's spiritual death. There's also a death that I'll never enjoy the joy and the freedom that I get in serving God. And so the penalty of sin. Here's what he writes in Hebrews chapter 9. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity Just think of how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal Spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for sins. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can receive the internal inheritance God has promised to them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of sin they had committed under the first covenant. So, I'm free when I, when I have to watch out, I have to understand I am free from sin. I do not have to give in to it. Thus, I can't say, I can't help myself. Oh, well, we're all sinners. It's just the way I am. It's not the way you need to be. God, Spirit, alive in you, gives you the power to be victorious over sin. That power is resident in every Christian. And so, I'm free from that. I don't have to give in to the power of it, and I don't have to think, oh, the penalty of it. God came to set us free. And then, we're free to serve. Free to serve. Why does He set me free? So I can serve others. What's the Christian like about? Serving others. See, our problem is, that we have this mentality and we think freedom means I can do whatever I want. No, if you end up doing whatever you want, eventually you have habits that you cannot control and you'd like to be rid of and you can't get rid of them. You suddenly start acting and your behavior becomes habitual and it takes you down a road that you are out of control. And so, uh, you know, it's not the power right to do what I want. It's, it's not, it, it, uh, if I think it's that, I'll just end up being a slave to something in life. True freight, freedom involves restraint. You are never free until your old nature is dead or until it's not served and it's not in control. And Paul writes, and I've already re- referred to it, sin is no longer your master. You no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. We're not free to indulge the flesh. That doesn't lead to freedom. That leads to bondage. We're not free to exploit others. That's not love. We're not free to disregard the needs of others. And so I have to fight for freedom. We, of all people in America, should understand that. We're a free country because people fought for us. That same freedom is true in the Christian walk as well. And so I have a responsibility to stay free, which means I am free to serve, and that means at times I have to limit my freedom. So I limit my freedom when, first of all, my freedom could hurt a fellow Christian. If I know that there's something I'm going to do that someone else is going to be offended by, then I don't do it. Well, they should just get over it. Well, maybe they should. But you should be mature enough and loving enough to care about others and what they think and how that's going to affect them. It could hurt them. Um, Okay, let let, let me use this illustration. It's, It's relevant today. Well, you know what? I'm free to go wherever I want and not wear a mask. I don't need to do that. I don't have a problem with it. Okay, great. You don't. But if you know there's other people that do, how are you going to handle that? Are you going to, well, I'm free. I can do it, live however I want. Or am I willing to say, you know what? I don't do want to do anything to offend you. I don't want to do anything to cause friction. I'll put one on big deal the stronger takes care of the weaker. The, the one who has a great, you know, I, this is a conviction, okay, great. I don't have to force myself because, you see, if I do that, I'm not serving in love, am I? So if it could hurt another Christian, if it cause offense, I'll do my best not to do that. Our freedom could hinder God's work you know i don't want to do anything to hinder the work of god to hurt the church and so there's things that maybe well i you know i don't have a problem with it well but i don't want to bring division i don't want to hamper harmony i don't want to do anything that will create conflict if i if i can possibly stop it i don't i don't want to hinder what god's trying to do in people's lives I don't want to be the one that would do that. And if I think i got a right to do something, I'm free to do whatever I want to do, and I do things, and all that does is cause God to look bad. Well, if that's the way Christians are, I don't want to be like that. Then I don't want to be like that. Our freedom creates harm in our conscience. You see, you go doing things, and suddenly inside, there's a little voice that's telling you, you shouldn't be doing this that you know you've hurt somebody, that you know you've gone too far. There's unrest and a lack of happiness. That's when we got to watch it. So, freedom comes with love that serves others. That's when I'm freest. Now, that's not my definition. That's God's. I'm Not living by rules and making everybody else live by the rules. I haven't got my eyes on other people. Oh, you got to do this and you got to do this. I'm not going to be judgmental. That's God will take care of that stuff. So I'm going to be free because freedom is the power to do what is right, to do what is best for me in my relationship with God, and to do what is best for others. Now, all of us like to create loopholes. Well, what about this? What about this? What about this? (laughs) Love doesn't do that. Love says, I love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my spirit, with all my strength. And I'm going to love others the same way. And I'm free to do that. Jesus Christ came to set you free. Not to be entangled again into slavery by your sinful nature that will take you down a road in life you don't want to go down and that will always end up in regret, remorse, and death. You want to live a life that honors God. God says, I'm going to set you free from the power of sin. And I'm going to allow you to live a life where you're free. You're free to love me. You're free to love others. That's real freedom. Because what matters most in life is your relationships. That's how you're defined. That's what matters throughout eternity. Here's how Paul said it in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Even though I'm a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. I'm free to serve. Paul beautifully puts this in a context that helps us understand how to live in Christ. So tonight, Christians, you're free. You're free to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your being. You're not free to set rules for everybody else and free to be the judge and jury for people. You're not free to do whatever you want to do. Those things always lead in bondage and will never bring you freedom. They'll just bring you more bondage. But Christ will set you free and you get to live in that liberty. So I would encourage you tonight, live in the freedom that only Jesus Christ can give to you. You're free to serve. Let's pray. Lord, thank you tonight for this chapter and these verses that clarify for us our walk with you. It's hard. We, we all kind of great at it. We all kind of like to find another way around it. We all want to make excuses because, boy, that bar is set really high. But yet you've called us to be this kind of person. We're going to look next week at how the Spirit can help us do this. And so, Lord, help us to live as free people because who the Son sets free is free indeed. And help us live with the freedom that only God can give, a freedom that serves others in love. In thy name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8, 15 and 10, 45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assemblies Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.